The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Pretorius could still be convicted of culpable homicide uh, by all indications, amongst other things, of course, when judgment resumes at 9.30 this morning in the North Gauteng High Court in Pretoria. On the Forum at 8 this morning, we will be reviewing what happened in court yesterday and also... We invite you to share your views and more importantly, perhaps to take this opportunity and ask questions to our learned guest here this morning, Professor James Grant, Associate Professor of uh, the Law, uh, uh, Associate Professor of Law, rather, I should say, at WITS, criminal uh, law expert. And uh, Professor Grant, thank you so much for speaking to us this morning. Uh, Good morning to you and your listeners. Now, Professor Grant, you know, one would have thought that most of the drama would have been over and dealt with during the trial. But uh, yesterday's judgment, at least the first bit of it, as delivered by Judge Togozile Masipa, sparked a huge furore. And um, it's amazing the sort of comments that one sees and hears across uh, different platforms. But perhaps we should start by just giving clarity on some right. of the more common terms that are being used at this point, dolus eventualis. <laughs> what is that? <laughs> it's a Latin uh, term used by lawyers to confuse uh, ordinary people. Let me let me try and translate it. It's the it's the widest form of intention recognised in our law. Um, and what I need to start by explaining is that unlike, for instance, in the U.S., where they have different degrees of murder, we have only one murder um, charge in South Africa. Um, people who have heard of premeditated murder, pre- the premeditation part of things only affects whether you can get uh, bail, or alternatively, it affects your sentence. So to clear everything up, there's only one charge of murder, but... Um, in our law, there are different types of intention. Murder, if I can just define it quickly, is the intentional unlawful killing of another human being. So that sets it apart from culpable homicide. Culpable homicide is the negligent unlawful killing of another human being. It's where you kill another human being unlawfully in a way that a reasonable person wouldn't. Um, That's culpable homicide. But returning to murder now. Mm -hmm. So murder requires intention. Um, but our law, our law accepts that there are different types of intention. The most uh, well-known, and the one which all of us would probably intuitively understand by the word intention, is when you uh, mean to kill somebody. It's your aim and objective to kill somebody. That's what most people understand, but our law goes a lot further. And it says, even if all you do is foresee the possibility that your conduct could kill someone, you accept that risk and you persist in your conduct. So a classic example that we always use is we say, imagine a, a duck hunter who goes to a, uh, who goes to Emerentia, sorry, you guys are in Cape Town, you don't have Emerentia. Um, <laughs> no, we're in Joburg. We know exactly where it is, <laughs> up the sorry, road from sorry, us. Sorry, <laughs> right, 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 sorry, I'm getting confused. Um, that I was talking to Cape Talk for a second. Apologies. Apologies. Oh, right. Prof, so, so prof, duck- this is S-A-F-M's <laughs> AM Live. Okay. Utter apologies. Utter. My, my, my thorough apologies. All right. So we're good then because everybody knows Emerentia Dam. So let's imagine that we've got a duck hunter who's dying to kill a duck. Um, 
But the only place that he can get to is Emerentia Dam. So he goes to Emerentia Dam with his rifle, and he sees that there are ducks on the dam. Um, But he also, at the same time, sees that there are children and other people walking on the other bank, in fact, all around the place. He foresees the possibility that he could miss the duck, the bullet could ricochet off the water and strike and kill somebody on the other bank. The problem is he really needs to kill a duck. So he decides, you know what, it's worth the risk. He takes the shot, he misses the duck, he uh, strikes a kid on the other bank and kills the kid. Our law would say that he has dolus eventualis, which translates, which is intention in our law, and therefore can be convicted of murder, all other requirements assumed. Does that help? Um, Almost, but if his intention was to kill the duck, and he ends up killing the child, uh, you know, uh, shouldn't the Uh, distinction be drawn there? It's an excellent question. What's very important is that you can separate out the different types of intention. So, in fact, he had donus directus, the the ordinary uh, sense of intention that we all understand in respect of the duck. But in respect of the child on the bank, he had donus eventualis. In other words, he actually foresaw in respect of that child on the other bank that he could kill the child. He accepted the risk and he proceeded recklessly despite the risk. Mm. So, so, so the, the, the intention was to kill the duck and he accepted the risk that it could go wrong and he could kill the child. Now, let's just bring it, it to what has happened here in this Oscar Pistorius yeah. trial. Right. Now, the intention, and, and everybody is now focused on this, and overnight we are all law mm. experts, by the way. Your job is on the line. Um, so what's happened now is people are talking about the fact that Oscar shot four times into this little cubicle. Yes. And what does that mean in terms of his intention? Yeah. Um, it's, a, it's a difficult one to, to, to understand. In, in fact, I, I have to declare that Judge Masipa lost me a little bit yesterday. What I think happened was um, a, a combination of extremely difficult areas of law. So you have... A, at, the, at once you have the, the issue of dolus eventualis, which is complicated enough. But then you add to it another problem that arose in the case, which is possibly amongst the most difficult issues to get one's head around. And in fact, until this day, I have a, I have a whiteboard in my office. And every year I have to explain this particular thing to students time and time and time again. Not because they're dumb. My students are smart. What the problem is, is that this is a very, very difficult issue. And let me tell you what it is. Mm -hmm. It's the issue of what we call, I'm going to have to use a little bit of Latin to start with, but I promise I'll I'll drop it as quickly as I can. All right. Um, It's the issue of what we call error in objecto, alternatively in, in opposition to the problem of aberratio ictus. Now, let me translate them. Error in objecto uh, simply means that you make an error in respect of the object of your attack. Right? So, for instance, you are trying to shoot, you're target shooting, and you try to, um, you, you think that you are shooting a scarecrow. It turns out that it's not a scarecrow, it's a human being. Mm-hmm. Our law would say 
you don't have intention to kill a human being because remember the definition of murder is the intentional unlawful killing of another human being. So you must intend to kill a human being and therefore you cannot be convicted of murder in that circumstance. Here's the tough one. What if you aim to kill John, right? You aim your gun at John. You want to kill John. And you see him emerging from, let's say, um, his office building late at night. You fire at what you think is John, and you kill that human being that you think is John, but it turns out it's not John, it's Peter. The question arises, well, can you be convicted of the murder of Peter? And the answer is that our law has given us unequivocally, is yes, it doesn't matter what the name is, of that human being that you aimed at to kill. Mm -hmm. Now, that is, in fact, upon analysis, the scenario that was um, faced by Pistorius. He was, he aimed at whatever human being was behind that door. That was his target. And he struck and killed that human being. And the reason why I can be so sure that that's the scenario and that our law says it doesn't matter uh, what the identity of that human body was, right, whether it was an intruder or whether it was Reva, is because if you compare it to the other scenario, which is possibly more, even more difficult to get your head around, you'll see immediately that there's something missing that makes it not the case that we're dealing with this scenario. Mm. So let me tell you about this scenario. This scenario is called Aberatio Ictus. Uh, translated from Latin, it means most literally uh, going astray of the blow. Translated further into English, it's simply a case of, uh, it, it describes a scenario of missing one's target. Now, it's crucial to understand that in those scenarios, you have to, and in order for this area of law to be triggered, you have to miss your target. If you're not talking about missing one's target, this area is not in, in play at all. Now, this isn't a scenario such as you are uh, target practicing, uh, you fire at your scarecrow, you miss your scarecrow, and you strike and kill your neighbor. Mm -hmm. Can you be convicted? Well, you intended to shoot a scarecrow. Uh, on the other hand, you struck and killed a human being. Can you be convicted of murder? Well, no, because you didn't intentionally unlawfully kill another human being. You didn't intend mm. to kill a human being. Right? Okay, here's the question for me as it relates to the Oscar Pistorius trial. Yes. Did the state prove that Oscar intended to kill whoever was behind that door? I think they did, Absolutely. But um, once again, that wasn't really the question. I, I, have to, I have to, unfortunately, I'm very close to the end of my, my explanation, um, and I have to explain all of this stuff because it's the only way that it all makes sense. Okay. If I can just revert back quickly. So in those scenarios of where you miss, miss your target, now you have to imagine what if you fire at a human being, so you fire at John, but you miss John and you strike and kill, say, uh, Paul. Now the question becomes, can you be convicted of the murder of Paul? And our law there used to say, yeah, no problem. We take the intent that you would fall on John, 
and we transfer it onto Paul. Our law gave that up 70 years ago, and the defense is arguing that what the prosecution is trying to do is to transfer the intention from the burglar, the, the suspected intruder, onto Riva. The problem is we're not dealing with that scenario at all. We are dealing with a scenario of error in objecto, the, the first one, where the story has identified a human form behind that door. Whoever was behind that door is who he intended to kill, and he fired at that person. Now, the, the, the defense argued that we're not in this category. Masipa yesterday got it right. She correctly identified that we're not dealing with anything other than a scenario where he aimed at a person, whoever it was, behind the door, and he killed that person. And the identity of that person is irrelevant. In other words, the question becomes, did he intend to kill whoever was behind the door? Mm. Um, the problem was, after doing the analysis correctly, uh, Masipa got the question wrong, uh, regrettably. She did the, 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 the difficult theoretical analysis, which revealed that it doesn't matter who was behind the door. But unfortunately then, she followed on by asking the question, well, when we apply the law of dolus eventualis to determine whether there was intention in respect of the person behind the door, the question is, did he intend to kill Reza? Which is, which is very strange, because she had just made the point that the appropriate question is, did he intend to kill whoever was behind the door? And so that's where, in my view, uh, the era crept in. Okay, so respect. you, and, and, and this is where I'm also a bit confused. So yeah. in terms of what she had then established and laid out and explained, yes. Yes. until that point where it gets to the question, did he intend to kill Riva? When yeah. you look at the subsequent response, if you were to substitute Riva with Sakina or anybody else, does that change what she eventually arrives at? I think it very well could have, because the answer to that question um, is one which I, I suggest, uh, I think, you have to give a positive answer to, because one, uh, I, I don't see how one, and I think this is what the public are struggling with, they're hearing Masita say that it's not true that you uh, can foresee a killing of somebody in a tiny cubicle when you fire four shots through the door into that cubicle at the person. Um, and I think the, the public is, you know, quite generally quite right on that point. It, it is a difficult point to grasp. All right. And we, uh, the lines are open. As I said, uh, we have a law expert here that can answer all the questions and uh, to whom you can put all your scenarios and conspiracy theories and he'll be able to guide us legally. Professor James Grant speaking to us this morning. 0891-104-208. That's the number to dial. Tweet or Facebook us at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo or you can send an SMS to 34701. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.
Very interesting comments and very interesting questions coming through as well in our conversation this morning uh, with Professor James Grant. And we are, of course, uh, talking about the Oscar Pistorius trial like everybody else and uh, taking through, um, uh, talking through rather uh, what happened yesterday in court. And we'd love to hear your views on this. Uh, Prof, let's go to the lines. Uh, Bonagele, thanks so much for holding. Thank you. A very good morning, SK. Morning. Uh, good morning. Yes. Morning, morning, sir, as well. Uh, can, can you hear me? The line is not great, but we we, we can hear you. Go on, uh, Bonagele. Yeah, because your computer was complaining. Uh, actually, you, you're quite right to say uh, this is a very interesting subject that we're talking about our conversation, so to speak. And it is confusing. Why I'm saying so, that prosecutor did ask Pretorius uh, two times during the trial if he killed a river, Sientam. And he agreed and said mistakenly he killed river. But I was very shocked. Am I so? He was shocked to say that. Uh, I mean, with what uh, the judge was saying yesterday. Oh, okay. My, my, my point is that probably. He is paving the way, not to acquit him, but to give him a life sentence. Okay, got you there, Bonagela. We'll we'll stop it there because the line is not great, but uh, we did get your input there. Uh, I did get the the question, if I can possibly respond. uh, uh, Prof, just hold on, let's just take a few others and then we'll respond to all of those. Uh, Leslie is in Durban. Good morning, Leslie. Hello, I'm here. Yes, Leslie, we're listening. Uh, very short. It's all about who gets what in monetary terms. Uh, expand, please, Leslie. It's quite, uh, it's quite simple to figure that out. Nothing intricate. It's what, who gets what. Okay. You break it down, what I'm trying to tell you. In monetary terms. Yeah, but see, I'm going to break it down in a way that suits me and not necessarily what you are trying to convey. But if that's where you want to leave it, I'm okay, quite happy to do so. you want me to, to make it so. a bit more clear? That's what I asked you to do, Leslie. Bottom line is, if you've got the money, you can come out of whatever situation it is. And, and, and the, the, the bottom line, what I'm saying is, who gets what? I don't know if you know what I'm trying to say. Okay, I got you there, Leslie. Uh, Leslie in Durban. Mohammed in Barberton. Uh, uh, good morning uh, to yourself, the listeners, and the learning professor. I'm a law student. And um, in, in criminal law, uh, in uh, Snayman's textbook up until 2008, I don't find a concept called putative self-defense. You have putative crime where somebody thought it's a, it's a crime, and but it's not, uh, but then it ends out that the law doesn't uh, um, recognize it to be a crime. So where did this concept of putative self-defense come up from? She, she cited a, a 1996 or 94, 92 case or 99 case. Uh, but Sneeman doesn't talk about it, Leonard Walter Sneeman. So can you put us into the picture about that concept? All right. Thanks, Mohammed. Sure. Uh, Mdu in Cape Town? Yes. Uh, Sakina, my problem with the, with the judgment, um, the, Masipa did make the point in terms of dollars eventually uh, but the conclusion then that she, she reached after that was illogical because it, it, it then says she focused on the identity of who was behind the door, whereas yeah. the, the, the dollars eventuality makes no 
recognition in terms of rules behind the door, whether it was a, an intruder or any other person, the possibility was there that his firing would have killed the person. So I think she can she got it completely wrong in, in terms of you're her. Absolutely, you're absolutely wrong in terms of her conclusion. Okay, and do. Thanks so much for the call. I'm due out in Cape Town. Prof, uh, get a glass of water because we're just going to go to a quick uh, news break. And we'll continue taking your calls on 0891-104-208. Tweet us at AMLive on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo. And you can also send us an SMS to 34701. A real legal expert, not us lay legal experts. So we're going to get it right. We're going to get you the legal definitions of things this morning. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. This morning, uh, we are reviewing what happened in court yesterday, and uh, we invite you to share your views as always. 0891-104-208 is the number to call in on, or you can send us a tweet uh, to 347, uh, a tweet to at AM Live on SAFM or at Sakina Kamwendo, SMS to 34701. And um, let me just get back to our guest this morning, uh, Professor hey. James Grant. And um, before we go there, I love this prof, says this SMS. He is so cool. Sakina, sh- we should make him our resident expert of law on SAFM. Great going prof. That's from Mark. So um, you're getting lots of love here this morning. Now that we have flattered you now, Nicely, Prof. Let's get back yeah, to always, the legality. Always welcome. <laughs> yeah. Well, Snappy is always welcome. Can, can I attempt to answer some of Please. those questions that were posed? Uh, very, very pertinent questions. Absolutely. If I can start in reverse, and, and if my memory calls me uh, 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 is correct, it was Ndu who said, uh, Nasita seemed to be uh, asking the question of uh, Dola Seventualis yes. quite correctly but then seemed to veer off and ultimately get it wrong because she restricted her question to to whether it was Reva behind the door. And as your guest pointed out, uh, as, as Mdu pointed out, that's, uh, that's improper. Um, and I'm glad that you allowed me to finish uh, my, my very long-winded explanation about the difference between error in objecto and abratio uh, ictus because um, the question that uh, Masipa ended up asking was one which would be appropriate if we were dealing with uh, an aberratio uh, ictus, missing one's target scenario. And so she conflated those two areas, despite the fact that she got her theoretical discussion correct. So I'm do absolutely on point. Mohammed, that uh, Sneiman doesn't discuss putative private defense, um, I, I, I would suggest, if you don't mind, look again, uh, it, but it could be just a simple ch- uh, difference of terminology. Neyman tends to use uh, a more Eurocentric uh, language, which is uh, the language in particular uh, adopted in uh, Germany. So he may well be talking about it there. There's nothing fancy about the word putative. All it means is mistaken, mistaken private defense. And what we do is we apply the principles of mistake to Mm -hmm. private defense. Then moving on to Leslie's point, it's all about the money. You know what? He's right uh, on one level. We have to face the fact that access to justice by virtue of how much money one has is a massive problem. But it's not only a problem in South Africa, it's a universal problem. That doesn't make it any more acceptable in South Africa. In South Africa, we're working at getting everything right. So we need to pay attention to this problem. Um, What we do have in place is we have a a public defense system 
where people who are uh, charged with a serious offence are entitled to legal representation. Now, the response to that, of course, is going to be, but it's not of this, the sort of, of Barry Rue. And the answer is yes, uh, that's quite correct. But um, there are many, many um, lawyers out there who are utterly competent and who charge nowhere near what Barry Rue charges. And there's another thing to think about. If you're able to uh, afford Barry Rue as your, uh, your counsel, think of the, uh, the opposing uh, prosecutor that the state is going to put up. They met like with like. The, the, the defense brought Barry Rue, and the prosecution brought Harry Nell. Um, so in a sense, his money didn't buy him uh, very much comfort. And the other thing to mention is, uh, it's, and this might strike your, your guests as, as quite strange, given that the error that Masita made yesterday, with respect, it seems to me to have been of the nature of a legal mistake. Now, if that's the case, if I'm right, it would entitle the prosecution to appeal, um, mm. which means that Oscar could yet be convicted of murder. Now, just on that score, you know, and, and, and there seems to be um, a wide consensus from uh, legal eagles, uh, you know, legal experts on the fact yeah. that the judge may have erred yesterday. But she yeah. has the two assessors assisting her. Right. Yes. Would they not have weighed in on whatever was eventually decided on? It's, it's a very good point. Um, I suspect that they, they, they would probably expect from the considerations of what the law was because, um, in fact, they are restricted to assisting the judge only on matters and questions of fact. Um, so she's, uh, the, the assessors are not allowed, in fact, to assist, uh, to assist the judge uh, in declaring matters of law. Sorry, I think I, mis- I misspoke earlier. The, the judge is the only person allowed to make declarations of law. The assessors are there to assist the judge on questions of fact alone. Mm. So it's not a matter of her being able to bounce off what she's thinking in, you know, trying to reach a conclusion of some sort around any of these technical um, explanations that we went through earlier. I think in practice, um, judges do that with their assessors. But when it comes down to it, they are the uh, they are the the, the the one individual who's responsible for making calls as to what the law is at the end of the day. Okay, Prof. I want to go back to the lines uh, very quickly. Let's go to Apiwe uh, sure. in Houghton. Good morning. Good morning, SK. How are you? Well, thanks, and you? I'm very well, thank you. Um, SK, I am very disturbed by the judgment as read yesterday. I'm not uh, a law person. I never did law school, but I believe the judge has committed a major error when she was reading such a verdict. I, I mean, there, there are basic principles of law that seem to not have been taken into consideration here. There have been cases in the past that are not too different from the scenario of Oscars, but the, 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 the outcome is totally different. I don't think really uh, Judge Masipa has served justice. And if it's possible, I think this needs to be to be challenged in other courts of law. That's okay. my point on the matter. Thank you, Apiwe. And I just want to pick up here on something that uh, Shelton is saying on Twitter. Could the prof explain if, you know, 
it is possible that the shooting could have happened without the intent to kill in this Oscar situation? Well, it's a very interesting point, and it, and it raises the prospect of, of the court having made a second error, respectfully. Um, there was a point in her judgment where she turned to consider his, his defense of, uh, as, as Muhammad has pointed out, putative private defense. Now, all that means is that he was claiming to have acted under the mistaken belief that there was an intruder in his house and that he was entitled, in his mind, to kill. Now, if that's true, it's a complete and valid defense in South African law against a charge of murder. And the reason is, is because if you look back to the definition of murder, the intentional unlawful killing of another human being, if you believe you're entitled to kill in private defense, it means that you don't intend to act unlawfully. You intend to act lawfully so there cannot be murder. Mm -hmm. So it's entirely possible that the court could have acquitted him of murder by finding that uh, there's a reasonable possibility that his version as to putative private defense, that his belief was that he thought he was acting in private defense when he fired through the door. The, the, the court could legitimately have come to a not guilty verdict um, if it had gone along that line uh, and, and, and followed his his defense, but strangely, the, instead of asking the question, and this would have been the, the appropriate question on this point, did he intend to unlawfully kill whoever was behind the door? She simply asked the question, did he intend to kill? Um, and and that's the wrong question. That wasn't even his defense. Okay, it's getting more and more interesting. Let's go to Zikona in Port Elizabeth. Good morning. Zikona? Okay, Zikona, not there. Advocate Zulu in Joburg. Hello. Hello. Hi, Advocate Zulu. Yes. I just want to agree with the professor in relation to the dolicidentialist doctrine principle that I strongly believe that Judge Masipa made. I think she has erred on that point. And then, uh, yeah, that's what I want to agree on. But I just want the professor to address me on this point. In yes. relation to not Masipa talking much about the prince, the, like the the, the the concept of menswear, <laughs> vis-a-vis the putative private defense, in the event that uh, she would have found Oscar guilty on murder, and yes. Oscar would have argued that maybe I thought it was an intruder, because she did address the question of private. I mean, of a protective father. I'm mean, not thinking that it could have, she should, Oscar could have imagined that it could have been somebody else. But mm. no. On the issue of menswear, what would have been the conclusion had she found Oscar guilty of, 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 of murder uh, and, and, and in relation to the, to the question of, of menswear? Thank you. Thank you so much, Advocate Zulu. A prof? Um, well, on, on menswear, menswear really is just a term that contains, uh, there are different interpretations to this, but it contains effectively the wrongful mental element um, of a crime. So if I can try and uh, help, help your listeners to understand why we would have this, is because effectively crimes are broken down into two main elements. The one is, as Advocate Zulu quite correctly points out, is known as menswear, 
again, Latin regrettably, but all it means is the wrongful mental state or wrongful mental attitude. The other one is what we call the actus reus. Again, apologies, Latin. What it means is the wrongful conduct or unlawful conduct. So under unlawful conduct, you would have the, 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 the unlawful killing of Riva. That would satisfy the uh, actus reus. And that was satisfied in this case. So the focus turned to whether uh, Pistorius had the wrongful mental state when he killed her. And for murder, the wrongful mental state is intention. And uh, she would have had to find that he, he had uh, intention to unlawfully kill whoever was behind the door in order to convict him of murder. The Forum at 8 on SAFM. Reviewing what happened in court yesterday in the Oscar Pistorius trial this morning with our learned friend, um, Professor James Grant. And we're taking your calls, and then I want to read some of the messages. We have so many of them. I'll try to read at least um, a dozen or so of them. But let's just go back to the lines quickly. Uh, Zithe and Bizana, good morning. Good morning, okay. Hi, I, Zithe. I also think I agree. Yes, I think I agree with the professor, like the previous callers. I also thought that the state has proven its case beyond reasonable doubt the intention. And I think the finding should be the one of murder. Of course, I didn't think it would be premature murder. But I, I, I didn't think the state has done enough on the part of premature murder. At least on the murder, the last eventually, I think the judge was going to found on that. And then, secondly, the, 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 the question I was going to pose has been referred to, has been commented on by the professor with regard to is this the question of fact, the finding so far of the judge? Is it on the question of fact or on the question of law? And if yes, is there a possibility of an appeal by the, by the state going forward? Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Zithle. And Jabulo in Midrand. Hi. Hey, Jabulo. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, you know, you know the, the, the professor is very spot on there. Uh, with all having been said and, and, and done, in relation to the differences of murder. I wanted to zoom into the statement that the judge made, that the intention to shoot does not always equate the intention to kill. And in my view, and this is what what I need the the professor's view of, she deviated extensively on the circumstances, on two things. For me, what Kerinel has been able to do successfully is to convince at least the public, that the intention started when when Oscar wanted to get rid of the threat. The number of bullets he shot is the second point to, to cement that intention. So I just want to see, you know, what, what are the circumstances that are used to, to define that intention? Thanks. Okay. Let's, let's just uh, look at those two very briefly, Prof. Right. Um, I mean... It, it, it's important to, to recognize what uh, Zikhle had said, which is, uh, you know, that, that, that there's a, sorry, it, it was Ndabulo who said there's a, there's a massive difference between intention to shoot and intention to kill. Um, and, uh, you know, he would, in his view, Harry Nell did enough to, to prove that, uh, that Pistorius intended to kill. I, I, uh, I think it's, it's possible on, on the arguments placed before court, uh, and this would, this would cross back over to the shared uh, question. It is conceivable that the court, in my view, could have come to a not guilty verdict by weighing up 
even all of the evidence that um, that now put before the court and have concluded on the question of did he intend to unlawfully kill whoever he thought was in the bathroom she could have uh, she could have thought about that and come to the the, the, the the realization or the conclusion that it's reasonably possibly true that he was under that misapprehension and therefore acquitted him of murder but um, the problem that I'm, I'm having and, and many of my colleagues are, are expressing is that while it's understandable that she could have come to the conclusion of not guilty of murder, uh, the problem is how she arrived at that. And in, our, in, in my view, she came to that conclusion by distorting the, the, the issues of law. And going back to what Zishia has asked, the very important question here, um, can we have an appeal? Is this a mistake of fact or is it a mistake of law? Mm-hmm. That is, as always, your, your guests are very smart. Um, <laughs> congratulations. Uh, asking damn good questions. Um, it, it, it's, an, it's a difficult question um, to, to resolve. Is, is, is something a question of factor of law? And here's the, here's the, 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 the basis on which I, um, the question I ask myself when I'm trying to resolve this. Does the question relate to... Um, the standard that the law requires us to live up to um, is it setting is it is it something that's going to say you can do this or you can't do uh, this and if so then it's a question of law if it has on the other hand nothing to do with setting the standard if it only has to deal with whether the person lived up to the standard then it's a question of fact now what we're looking at here is um, Masipa asking under a defense of putative private defense which says I intended to act lawfully, I intended to kill lawfully, she asked the question instead, did the accused intend to kill? That's a mistake of, in my view, law. Um, And furthermore, she then goes on to ask the question um, in in relation to Dolus Eventualis, did the accused intend to kill Riva? or foresee the possibility, sorry to use the, the correct, technically correct terminology, did the accused foresee the possibility of killing Riva? And again, that's an incorrect statement of law. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the result of all of that is that, yes, uh, the state is entitled to, uh, to appeal, and um, effectively, Pistorius could very well find himself once again um, being charged with murder on appeal. Prof, one of the other issues uh, raised by our listeners um, is uh, a question of interpretation of the law. Yes, yes. Uh, Is it possible that people, other legal experts, other than Judge Masipa, could arrive at the same conclusion that she has? Because what we've heard in the main up until now is people who think that she has erred. Could it be that there are those who agree with her? Look, it's always possible um, that, that uh, let me start with myself, it's always possible, uh, even probable, that I can make a mistake uh, and that I can be wrong. Um, what, I, what I am comforted by is, um, is that having, having discussed this with several, several colleagues um, and, and, and fairly senior um, lawyers and, and advocates, they are all expressing the, the, the same 
the same views. Uh, they're all taking the view that, uh, and we've arrived at these conclusions independently, um, that, that Musita made these errors that I've been discussing with you here today. Uh, is it possible that um, other lawyers might agree with her? Of course. Uh, in fact, I do know of an exception. Um, one uh, lawyer who, who does believe that she, she got it right. Um, but he would be one in about 20 that I've spoken to. So does it come down to a numbers game? No, it doesn't come down to a numbers game. I do think that um, my understanding of the law could be, could be wrong. It's always possible. But, um, you know, the moment she said these things, I thought that there was something wrong, and that has been confirmed by virtually every um, uh, colleague that I've managed to speak to. All right. I think it's great that you've outlined that there is recourse. There is a cause for appeal. So we're going to take a break. When we come back, we'll take the last few callers. Oh, we are inundated this morning. And uh, let's just breeze through the last few calls in the interest of time. Please keep it short and sharp. Let's go to, is it Masabata in Ruodeport? Good morning. Hello, Sakina and to the professor. I just want to find out uh, whether there was any evidence of shots being fired in rapid succession because my understanding is that all the experts that uh, led um, a, a evidence on ballistics, they could not dispute Captain Mangana's um, uh, findings that uh, there was a break in between some of the shots uh, and that uh, the... the, the, the Okay, let me leave it at that. I just want to get a sense of whether there was any uh, rapid succession or okay. being fired in rapid succession. Sorry, then. Okay, thanks, Masabata. Robert in Pretoria. Quickly, the judge having gone with uh, Pretoria's uh, version, two quick questions that I think the judge has not clearly exploited in, in his version. Firstly, why was the door locked, knowing that there were two people in the house? Secondly, according to the uh, admission of the judge again, Pistorius knew that there, were, there was a person behind the door. Why shooting? What was the intention of shooting? Especially four bullets. I'll leave the third question because of time. Thank you, Robert. Rex in Germiston. Good morning, Sakina. Good morning to your guests and listeners. Um, I think we may need to exercise some questions because um, the judgment is not yet finished. If what the professor is saying tends to, um, to hold... Uh, you may see a dramatic twist in that judgment if the script of that judgment has not been handed out. All right. Thank you so much. And, um, uh, you know, just to read a few of uh, the messages uh, that we've received via SMS. This one says, why was Oscar not convicted on firearm charges before the shooting of Riva? He would not have been able uh, to own any firearms and Riva would still be alive. And uh, this one says, um, there's no doubt in my mind that Oscar directly intended to kill whoever was behind the door. At the very least, he foresaw the probability and made peace with it. That's from Tandy. Would Oscar ever have been charged with other previous issues regarding shooting at the restaurant, in the car, etc. Had he not shot Reva? Was he ever charged? That's from WM. And, um, you know, so many others coming through. And uh, I really apologize, but I'd like to acknowledge your contribution and sending all of these messages this morning. But, Prof, just a quick response to uh, the last few callers there. Sure, lots of calls. Um, I, I think if I could just pick up on the one, which is uh, even if um, the, the court was to have adopted and accepted uh, Oscar's own version that he was acting in putative private defense, there would have been a very real question that she still would have had to answer 
um, which she didn't ask because she 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 went about approaching it in a, in, in my view in an incorrect way. But it would have been a question of um, whether you're entitled to use the extent of force that he used, um, even assuming that there was an intruder in his house. Um, and I, I would anticipate that the answer to that would have been um, no, objectively. Still, the question uh, would have remained, though, did he understand, did he foresee that, that he wasn't entitled to use that extent of force? And um, I, I think that's a, that's a very difficult question. I would guess that uh, it's kind of difficult not to, not to understand, given that you have firearms training, that you, you can't simply fire four bullets uh, into a cubicle if you think there's an intruder who, uh, in there. Well, Prof, that's all we have time for this morning. Thank you very much for your time. The Forum at 8 on SAFM.